Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in for the Hootsard Huddle podcast presented by HootsardHuddle.com. It's the pot of open discussion and open dialogue. We talk about a handful of topics that fall under the blanket of sports, entertainment, politics, and business. These are my friends, my people, my fam. You are now inside the huddle. Bring it in. We are back for another episode of the Hotard Huddle Podcast. It's Mike and Matt doing this two-person show once again. So it's Super Bowl week, Matt. And uh well, we got the Bengals, we got the Rams. It's not exactly the matchup I was gunning for, but as it gets closer and closer, I'm pretty stoked for it. I mean What's not to love about big dick energy himself, Joe Burrow? And then, of course, you got the Rams who have just gone all in trying to get that Super Bowl. They obviously made it a couple of years ago, falling short in, a, I think, the lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time uh, to the Patriots. But they're trying to get their second crack at it with Sean McVay. Obviously, Matt Stafford, part of that, not Jared Goff. But adding those pieces like Beckham, like Ramsey. Um, so it's, I'm curious to see how this one plays out, but uh, it, there is no denying it. I am going to be a Bengals super fan this weekend and uh, probably for the foreseeable future now that uh, Tom Brady has officially called the quits. But, you know, uh, <laughs> Like I said, it was the matchup I was least looking forward to at first, but the more I'm just looking at it and the more I'm thinking, why am I counting out the Bengals? Just why? I mean, based on their offensive line and the Rams' front, I feel like I have reason to believe, but at the same time, there's Joe Burrow, and there's just this attitude about the Bengals. I mean, I, I, I saw a video earlier with Joe Burrow talking about, you know, moving on to the Super Bowl. He was asked about the excitement. He was just like, basically shrugged it off. Like, well, it's just another game. We won the division. We celebrated. We still got to take care of business. It's just, um, and it was like smug. And what's funny is someone dubbed the Talladega Nights video that where Ricky Bobby goes, well, plain and simple i'm the best there is i wake up and piss excellence and that's what they basically compared his answer to but uh dude i'm excited for sunday it's gonna be a good one then of course we already talked about it last uh last episode but with the uh halftime show and of course all the all the theatrics that go into super bowl sunday man it's something i look forward to and this matchup in particular man i can't wait to see joey b and what he does on the big stage in year two Man, and have you ever even I don't even know if I could fathom a quarterback coming in and, and doing, you know, what Joe Burrow did being his second year coming off of a crazy knee injury, like it's a terrible knee injury coming back. Really not maybe the f- first few games of the season, knocking some rust off. I don't know anybody that probably didn't expect that, but to just see him grow with the team and the whole team buy into him like. I'm not saying he's Tom Brady, but dude's got Tom Brady energy, like the way the team gravitates towards him and, and just 
the aura he kind of sets off where everybody's like, you know what, like, like, hell yeah, we can win this game. Like we always have a chance. And you saw that in the playoffs, especially where they're coming back from behind and, and they're beating these teams that, you know, the spreads coming in Bengals, you know, plus seven and, and shit like that. And, and they're coming in and, and beating these teams and, and looking really good doing it. Uh, and, and they're doing it on both sides of the ball too. The defense is coming in, you know, coming up clutch when they have to be clutch, uh, seeing Trey Hendrickson uh, doing it for, you know, for Saints fans, probably a little sour, but uh, he's been a great addition to that team as well. And that offense is studly, but, <clears throat> and you flip it over. And I think you have almost as likable as a team, especially a quarterback with Matt Stafford, like lovable. You call him what a lovable loser, I guess with the lions, like always a great player. I don't really know anybody that ever hated Matt Stafford. It might be impossible to hate a lion at this point. I don't know, <laughs> but uh but just, you know, that that team has also got some guys, you you know, Von Miller and it's got a Odell Beckham that a lot of people, you know, they've been in the league for a while. A lot of fans, uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of star power on that team. Definitely more star power than the Bengals. Uh, they built their team differently by trading those picks to get proven players, which I mean, you can't say it didn't work. They made it to the Super Bowl, um, you know, teams built completely differently, but uh, their offenses can both put a lot of uh, points on the board. I think you give the edge to the Rams, probably in defense, uh, obviously with two potential Hall of Famers with Aaron Donald and uh, Jalen Ramsey. I'm curious to see what they do with Ramsey. I think, I think you're put... misspeaking when you say potential. I think both of those guys are going to the Hall of Fame, unquestioned. Well, and, then, and then Miller, too. You know, So that's three that are, you know, are locks for the Hall of Fame, pretty much. Uh, and you have other guys scattered around the defense that they get in these early rounds uh like jordan fuller greg Gaines, uh they're you know fourth fifth round picks six round picks and and you have to hit on those to to be able to sustain what they're doing with giving up the picks but it, you know it works uh like i was saying a, a, a second ago i'm interested to see if ramsey shadows jamar chase or do they kind of shade him to one side that'll be really interesting because uh if they're playing man to man i think you might give the slight edge to Ramsey. I'd like to say just because he's a veteran, he he's been around the block, you know, more than once. Uh, he's probably one of the best straight man to man corners in the NFL, but Jamar chase is not a slouch. Uh, I'll go the opposite so. route. Actually, I'll disagree with you. I think if he's matched up one-on-one -on -one with Jamar chase, no help. I'm going to give Jamar chase the edge in that matchup. Cause Jamar chase has those fucking burners. It's close, um, man. I put it at probably 55 45 Ramsey. So I'm not that's about you know, how I feel. I, I don't really disagree <laughs> with you. Yeah. So it's but, close. But yeah, man, that's a that's always gonna be a fun matchup. But that's a kind of unpacking some of the things said here. So Jalen Ramsey, it's been interesting because um he's been asked to do a lot this year. They've been using him as sort of that chess piece, moving him all over the field, whether he's lining up on the outside, whether he's playing in the slot, whether he's in man, he's in zone. He, he's been being asked to do a lot. And he he actually had a really good interview. Um, I think it was right before the playoffs. It was for one of the primetime matchups. They kind of talked to him about that. And he said it's been one of the most challenging, but also one of the most fun years he's ever had in the league. And it's because of the trust they've given him on that defense and or the back end of that defense. They just kind of line him up wherever they feel like he can – make plays for them. Um, so it's been interesting. And then of course, you know, you have Donald, you have 
Floyd, you have Von Miller up front um, on that defense to just pin their ears back and go. Um, but talking about the Bengals a little bit. So you mentioned Hendrickson and, you know, um, obviously relating back to the Saints, um, you know, both of us growing up in Louisiana, growing up Saints fans. But it's interesting because obviously I think most of them, I, I think I've seen the map and most of the U.S. is pulling for the Bengals. Um, but more specifically, the state of Louisiana. And it's because, now granted, I mean, you have, you have Odell Beckham um, on the other side with the Rams. A lot of Louisiana talent playing in the Super Bowl. But it, it's crazy thinking about the Bengals because you have, obviously, the formidable duo that is Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, who won a national championship with LSU and were part, were two very vital parts of what I think was the best college football team of all time. Um, but then you look on the other side of the ball, Trey Hendrickson, Von Bell's another big uh, heavy hitter and playmaker for the Bengals defense. And Von Bell was a great safety in New Orleans. I remember when they lost him a couple of years back, I was like, I get it. You can't pay him, but it stings. Um, and he's been a big piece. Then, of course, you have the other end of that. Everyone's favorites, uh, pillow for real, and that being Eli Apple, of course. Oh, I was just about to say. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, I mean, there's a lot of people to root for on in Cincinnati right now. And you know, one of the cool one of the cool parts um, is a lot of the people I work with are from Cincinnati or that area. So they're of course gung ho. Like I keep hearing who day, and I'm just like, eh. I'm cheering for you. Just don't say that. Um, but no, I'm I'm excited. I, I really want to see the Bengals win. I mean, dude, Joey B, if he ends up winning the damn Heisman, a national championship, then getting a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP in a span of three effing years, like, come on, dude. It doesn't get better than that. And it just it would put him on a whole different stratosphere. And just look at the team he's doing it with. He's doing it with the Bungles. Like, Zach Taylor, before this year, what did he win? Like, six games in two years or something like that? Seven games? Like, Zach Taylor was a half of a bad season from potentially getting fired. And and Joe Burrow, I mean, for lack of a better term, kind of saved his ass just by being the stud that he is. I'm not saying that Zach Taylor's not talented because to win in the NFL nowadays, you do need – a stud quarterback it's it's damn near impossible to win without you know a, at least an above average guy so uh you know i think he definitely was the the savior to that franchise like he was the savior to to lsu that uh that one year with the national championship but to to do what he's done if he does you know indeed win would just be like unheard of almost and to do it that fast to do it within two years with a team that was picking number one like they they weren't like you know a middle round where they had some talent back to on back the team. Top five picks, like it, yeah, exactly. Because Jamar Chase was a what number five fifth, he went fifth overall. So yeah. it's just it's crazy to think of how this team turned around, and I guess to show you like how quickly Joe Burrow changed the culture and how quickly and it, I'm sure it wasn't just him because they have other veterans on the team like Tyler Boyd who's been there for a few years, Joe Mixon, uh, Jesse Bates, but. You know, the way this team has been able to rally and just like, you know, buckle down. And I called him a pretender 
in the beginning of the year. I'm sure you probably were going to point that out at some point. So I'll beat you to it. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, they surprised the hell out of me. It, it's a little salty, me being a, a Browns fan to see, to see them go all the way. But for some reason, I really don't feel crazy for cheering for them. Just like I, I said, they're likable. It's fun, man. Right. Like the, the attitude fun to there watch. is intoxicating. <laughs> and uh, they're everything that is football right now, which is explosive offense, you know, dropping your nuts on the field, just in the, the quotes after the game from Joe Burrow, just so freaking smooth. He's like the new Joe Namath. Like it, it, this game is so much not overrated and infinitely better. <laughs> I want to see him wear some uh, pantyhose in a commercial like him. And then, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm, I'm super stoked. I, I'm, uh, I said before uh, the show that I don't really care who wins, but you've definitely, swayed me in uh in the joe burrow direction i mean he's he's an lsu boy so it, it makes me happy to see care. him win. i mean you already know i don't i don't cheer for lsu at all but dude joe burrow is must see tv i mean nah, he's he's so great for the nfl is is fantastic and and to do this with the the fan base like the Bengals, i don't know if you watched that video uh compilation of them like watching the last second tick off and seeing them actually win dude it like almost had me emotional because it's thinking back to what 2009 when we went through that whole thing with the saints. So uh, they're definitely let's, like, a, it's a feel good story. I told someone who I'm friends with, who's again, alluding to people from Cincinnati um, or from that area. You know, I, I said that exact thing the other day. I was like, it feel you're probably feeling the same way I did in 2009 when it just felt like the saints were destined to be super bowl champs everything just happened to go their way that year. Um, you know, there, the, there's just seasons where something, something just feels magical about it. And that's the cool thing about sports. Um, aside from playing to win the game, of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Sunday. So what's, uh, what's, what's your pick here? Let's, uh, get into some predictions. What's the, what's your score for Sunday? All right, so if I had to, I haven't put a ton of thought into this yet, so so forgive me if it takes me a, a couple seconds to think of one. But if I had to put my thumb on it, I would say Bengals. I won't go super high scoring, man, just just because I, I have a feeling that it may be a little bit lower scoring, but I'll go Bengals 24 Rams 17. I, will I could take, see them winning by I, a touchdown. I, I see it being very similar. I don't think it's going to be too high scoring. I, as much as I'd love to see the the barn burning 34-31, you know, 38-35 shootout. I, I'm, I feel like I'm when you expect that, it you. doesn't happen. It, that Just for whatever reason. Super, yeah, right. Like Super Bowls, it just doesn't seem to happen. Um, and I think we'll stick status quo. Now, had we had Rams versus Chiefs, I'd probably be thinking the opposite, and I would think it would be a high-scoring affair. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking like 27, 20, 27, 23, um, and I'm gonna go Bengals as well. I, if you asked me to pick the Bengals a week and a half ago, I'd have told you absolutely not. But like I said. There's just something. It's the different. magic, man. Exactly. Right. The magic. I'm, call me crazy, but I'm buying in. 
um, and I'm buying into Joe Burrow. So it's gonna be hard I'm to putting bet my chips on times. the table and putting my stock in Joe Burrow. Let's go. Let's go. Um, but you know, hopefully after the game, we see him celebrating with uh, the Lombardian, of course, and, doing and his stogie. Uh, his stogie and his get the gat. I mean, dude, every time I see him doing that, I'm just like, bro, I'm here for it. Um, I'll get it. But uh, now that we've kind of covered the Super Bowl, there's been a lot going on since we last talked in the NFL. Um, I, I uh, Let's start with Tom. Let's start with Tom Brady. Um, I, I was literally on airline highway driving home or not home anymore, but driving back to Louisiana uh, to visit. And I was on airline highway right there approaching Destrahan when I got the text, Tom Brady officially hung it up. And I was like, fuck man. Like I was sitting there in my car. I teared up a little bit. Um, just because, I mean, dude, he is, he is football to me. There's, no one I can really think of that I can even say has been football for the entire time that I have been a fan of the NFL. Um, and I wrote about this and said this in my column about his retirement. The first Super Bowl I watched in its entirety was Rams Patriots when, of course, Brady won his first. I, I still remember the drive. He was the, the final drive of the game to set up the Vinatieri field goal. It was dink and dunk all day before. Um, connecting with Troy Brown over the middle, getting that big chunk yardage. But, you know, Brady did essentially nothing but manage the game for that entire, that entire Super Bowl. And then obviously the last second magic. And then he slowly progressed and, you know, really blew the lid off of being the quote unquote game manager, even though he made steps in the direction prior to, but blew the lid off during that 2007 season when he threw 50 touchdowns and they had Randy Moss. So, um, dude, from everything, I mean, his whole career, what I love most about it is just how much he evolved as the game progressed. So did Tom Brady. Um, he, he relied heavily on that defense early on to capture those th uh, three Super Bowls. Obviously had that little bit of a drought there. Um, lost, you know, the 2007-2008 to the Giants, of course. Lost again in 11 to the Giants. And, you know, then came back really from 2010 to, to now and reestablished that winning dominance. I mean... Dude, the amount of Super Bowls he went to is insane. The fact that he has won more Super Bowls than any other franchise in the NFL is insane. Um, but, I mean, dude, you're talking 22 years of me watching football, and he has been there every single step of the way. So when he did call the quits, it was like, shit, there that goes. And, I mean... You and I have talked about this constantly. I, you and I have been Brady fanboys, hardcore for the last like five to six years, just like milking whatever was left of Tom Brady. And um, of course, I wanted the farewell tour and everything, but that's just not Tom Brady's style. But fuck, dude. TB12, GOAT, best ever. Best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, period. Yeah, so if, if there's a... Uh... 
a logo, you know, for the NFL, like you have the NBA with uh, Jerry West, you put Tom Brady. The only other person maybe you consider is like Jerry Rice, but Tom Brady, just every single person knows Tom Brady. And in my perspective, like you were just saying, uh, I have a little different perspective on this because five or six years we've been hardcore Tom Brady fans. Like just, I fell in love with him and I fucking hated Tom Brady for like the first 10 or 15 years he was in the NFL, dude. I couldn't stand him. That was me uh, until 2009, 2010. Like I just, he like, it disgusted me. Like how much he won, you know, that just how he felt and it felt like he was invincible. Just his team. Was it, just... Now, let me ask you this, because I know my reasoning, but does it and I'll obviously allude to it with this question. But does it boil down to the fact that he used to beat our hometown guy and Peyton Manning every fucking year? I don't think it was that for me because I was never a huge Peyton Manning fan. Like, eh, like he's from there, uh, from, you know, Louisiana, from back home. But I think it was just because because he won so damn much, <laughs> which is, I guess, a silly reason to to dislike somebody. Like, you know, maybe if you played for the Falcons, you could think that I could hate somebody that much or, or like a bitter rival. But it's like I have no connection to the New England Patriots in the Northeast 1,500 miles away or, or whatever it is. But just as I got older, I was just like, dude, I need to appreciate this while it's in front of me. And I think the, my perspective changed and as I, as I got older. Same thing with like, I guess, LeBron, too. It's the same thing. It's like appreciate greatness while you have it. You're bringing up a great point, too. And it was kind of where I was going to take this conversation a little bit, too, is there's still so many guys our age who just don't. And they're just they're missing out, essentially, is what it is. And like whatever floats your boat. But I'm a sports fan above all else. I'm an NBA fan. I'm an NFL fan. So whenever I have someone who is truly great in front of me, like I'm cheering for him. I want to see fanboy a little bit, right? right? Like, and granted, like I growing up, I mean, LeBron was, was my Jordan. So I appreciate everything he's ever done. And like, I used to get heavy into the LeBron's better than Jordan debates and all this and that. Now I'm just like, dude, I don't fucking care. Like whether it's Kobe, whether it's, LeBron, whether it's Jordan, it, whoever it is, I, I don't give a shit. I'm just watching to purely enjoy what is happening in front of me. And I'll have the conversations with people who can actually have the conversations without mouth breathing, of course, but it's silly. Um, and it, it, again, it's the same thing with Brady. Like they're just reached a point. Like I said, I think I reached that point when I was probably 19 or 20, where I was just like, I'm just here for the ride. I'm going to enjoy every second of this. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I fully agree that when you have someone who is historically great, and I mean, Brady goes down as the best quarterback ever, the best football player ever, and it's really pretty definitive at this point. Um, you know, I think the only other two NFL players in the history of the game who can really be even classified as such is rice and Montana um, and Lawrence Taylor. But aside from that, I don't think anyone's even remotely close to the conversation. Um, so 
it's but dude 22 years man 22 years and the ride's over it's just it's like it hasn't been 22 years the first off, it makes me feel well, it feels old. like it hasn't been long <laughs> enough it, and the and the crazy part and i'm not gonna say like he's crazy for retiring like you, you know what you want and he probably wants to spend time with his family because i'm sure he feels like he misses out on his kids you know growing up because he's he's basically like a machine during the nfl season i'm sure and yeah you know he feels like he he was uh, you know a, a worse parent for it not saying he's a bad parent but uh <sighs> it's, it's there it's for your kids i mean that's yeah. a that's a schedule to keep man Dude, and then it's, it's true and i mean you'd know way better than me because all i have is a dog <laughs> so <laughs> so i don't have much you know much input in this but but uh just the fact that he retired with you know still being a top five quarterback like you can't freaking argue that like he, he's he, probably going to win the damn mvp in his uh, final season and, and i mean he's I guess, coming off a year where he led the league in yards and touchdowns and touchdowns and to do that with, you know, the roster being banged up at different points of the year, Antonio Brown doing cartwheels in the end zone and shit. Like, <laughs> it's just like to ride out on top is a good feeling, but it also probably has to sting them a little bit to know, like, dude, I could still go out and whoop these dudes asses. Right. So it, it's bittersweet. Like, I'm so happy for the man. If, you know, I'm sure this is what he feels like he really wants to do and spend time with his family. So it's I guess it's selfish on our parts as fans because we always want more and we just want them to stay around because I think it's it's nostalgia too, like all these other quarterbacks that are retiring like uh, Roethlisberger, Manning, Breeze, you know, the other Manning. That there goes our all of our childhood. Is gone now. It's gone. It is gone. <laughs> Philip Rivers, you know, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to retire in a few years, and then it's it's an entirely different generation of guys. So. It's it's an it's, it's a good weird feeling. Too. No, great hands. Like there's so many uh, stud quarterbacks and and players littered all over on on every side of the ball. Like you know, Michael Parsons, freaking Patrick Sertain, and that's just you know this year's class. And, and there's plenty more guys, but yeah, man, it's just it's one of those things where you just look back and you're like, there goes like everything we pretty much grew up with, and it's it's bittersweet to to know that that's gone, but to see where the NFL is going, it's, it's cool. But, but yeah, man, Tom Brady, like you said, the goat, the best ever. I don't think anybody's going to touch him at, at, at any point. He's, he's been to, this was a crowd. I'll leave with this. Uh, this was a crazy stat. I saw, I think he's been to two pro bowls, but he's been to like what? 10 super bowls or something. It's like, yeah, well, it's freaking nuts. <laughs> like most guys would kill it just being the Pro Bowl Sunday twice. every other year. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> but, I thought that was crazy. Yeah, he um you know, speaking of I guess where the NFL is going, the other thing I wanted to touch on, the other big story obviously right now is Brian Flores and the lawsuit. Um obviously the NFL has the Rooney rule in place, which of course requires teams to uh interview um minority coaches and now flores is going after the nfl um for for basically using that as a sham and just basically filling the minority quota so to speak um 
And it's it's I'm curious to see where this honestly goes because um Hugh Jackson's come out and said things. Um I feel like there was one other coach that mentioned something, but it's man, I mean, we we've been we talked about this and kind of touched on it before the lawsuit came out and everything, but like you know, you look at guys like Flores, you look at guys like Bienname, you look at guys um like left witch and Jim Caldwell. Like, yeah, like you look at these guys and it's just like, dude, how how are some of these just no name guys getting jobs over them? Um goobers. <laughs> like Joe well, Jones was a goober. Well, like I, I mean Texans, um the the Texans finally hire someone. I know they're yeah, they got, looking they at got Lovey Smith. They hired him. Um, they did hire him. But like yeah. A report came out that Josh McCown was number one on their short list. And it's like, I'm sorry, what? Um, but I'm curious to see what, what happens. I mean, ultimately, I don't think much comes of it um, just because, and I'm no lawyer, but I feel like there's going to have to be way too much proof and smoking guns to make this lawsuit stick. But it, it it's sad, man. And like, you look at some of the teams that a lot of these black coaches have taken over, um, you know, like the Browns under Hugh Jackson and stuff like that. They've been absolute dumpster fires. They don't really have a fair shake to really rebuild some of these dumpster fires. And then now we're finding out that, you know, oh, yeah, we'll give you, you know, like Flores allegedly was getting 100000 to tank. And... He obviously didn't do it, but okay. So he tanks, and then there's your probable cause to fire someone and say it was done rightfully so. Um, and then obviously Flores didn't do that because the Dolphins went nine and seven. But I, I, I just really curious to see how nasty this lawsuit potentially gets. It's it's going to be extremely interesting, and I've I've read kind of conflicting one uh, conflicting stories that say like they have a strong case they don't have a strong case and i'm no lawyer so i i I have no idea i can only just take other people's advice and other people's word but i I know one thing for sure is that he's definitely got a point and i think he unfortunately could have tanked his coaching career in the nfl to come out and do this so Mm -hmm. the fact that he, he did come out and and do this you'd like to think there's gotta he's gotta have some merit to throw his entire career away and you know i think he had a really good shot of you know i think a good shot of landing a job this cycle but if not this cycle like definitely the next cycle of coaches because he's well respected in the nfl everybody thought he did a good job winning with tua in miami which you know, is, is probably a task in itself. Uh, I don't and think was that great guy. No. And, and he apparently, uh, and I don't know if I mentioned this on another podcast or if I texted you this, but uh, the owner, Stephen Ross is the one that, you know, either wanted Joe Burrow first, which wasn't going to happen because Cincinnati was locked in, which good yes. for them. <laughs> and uh, the other guy he wanted, no doubt after that was Tua, but Brian Flores wanted Justin Herbert Herbert. Which and if you get Justin Herbert on that team, who knows? That's you know? a, I mean, that's a deep playoff team every year. <clears throat> You'd like to think, right? And you know, they don't have crazy weapons on that offense, but they have enough. 
they have enough to get the job done and and they run kind of like that college motion offense which is kind of gimmicky you know they'll win games against shitty teams where they can control the clock but you know i won't talk too much about the dolphins i'll go back to the lawsuit but i think he's definitely got a, a point i think it's it's much more difficult for a, a black coach to get a job at least at the head coaching level and you could even say it at being a general manager as well especially front office gigs front office gigs uh even ownership in the nfl the only two owners that are minorities are shah khan and then kim pagula of uh, co-owner of the bills and that's it so it's like i mean when you think about it it makes sense from that aspect when 30 out of 32 owners are all you know old white guys with oil money or whatever and I just I don't think these guys get the fair shake. And like you brought up, like Eric Bieniemy, Jim Caldwell, uh, uh, Brian Flores, like these guys have to almost be perfect to get well, the job. First off, uh, sorry, go ahead. And the other part of it too is obviously there's the interview process. Are these guys bombing interviews? But even so, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, yeah, I get it. He's the figurehead for your organization and everything, but. Who gives a shit if they can't interview well? It's about what they're doing in between the lines on Sundays. Like, like, did, like did you see Nick Sirianni's first press conference? Like, oh, it was the dude horrible. stumbled all over himself. And if you you want to take somebody's word off of how they interview, like, why in the hell did he ever get a job? I hope it he is. interviewed better than that presser. <laughs> yeah, the press, I mean, and, and he looks to be a good coach. So, you know, I, I'm happy for, for the Eagles, for them finding a coach, obviously, because I'm out in Philly. The, everybody seems to like him. But, like, I, one example I'll go back to is Joe Judge. Like, Joe Judge, who's only been – he's never even been, like, a positional coach. He's Well, positional as an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Uh uh, I'm sorry. He's never been a coordinator. He's only been a positional coach. He coached special teams. Yeah. Like the only special teams coach I can even think of off the top of my head. And it's crazy that, you know, this is that I even think of this because he's the only person I know is, is Harbaugh. That's the only guy I know that came from special teams, went to a head coach and has been successful. Like, well, another, another coaching hire that I don't understand. And I know he was on most people's short lists, but Brian Dable, um, like, eh, like, here's the thing, dude. He, so you look at his resume and of course he's living off the now with Josh Allen. He, Josh Allen was, I guess his claim to fame and his project that obviously blew up like Josh Allen definitively currently, I would say is, probably the second at worst third best quarterback in the league bar none. Um, but Brian Dable's resume sucks, dude. So he was in, he was in Cleveland where he had, I think the 31st and 32nd offense uh, in the early 2010s. He was in Miami um, and they jumped from 31st to 20th. Cool. They improved, but they still sucked. Um, and Before Buffalo, his best offensive season was 18th in Miami in 2011. Yeah. So but he was he like just, 31st and 24th and 31st. Like, it's bad. Yeah. So, and then uh, he coached under Saban at Bama, obviously. Um, But this is the other thing that I think it's just 
as silly as looking at something like that, like success at the college level and automatically as a coordinator, I'll say as a coordinator um, and relating that to the NFL and the success there. I mean, you know, prime example, I think you look at, you can look across the league. I mean, how many guys made the jump to the NFL and actually panned out? They are very few. There's the Pete Carroll's. There's the Jim Harbaugh's. And in the last, you know, 20 years, I can't think of too many others who made that jump and did it well. Cliff Kingsbury, but he was on the hot seat prior to this year. And I don't know that he's off the hot seat next year because of how bad they melted down and how situationally bad that fucking football team is. Dude, their third and uh, third and fourth quarter is just like it's a whole other animal compared to situation. Like they, they cannot suck. close games. It's it's like they have no idea what what the hell to do when like shit hits the fan or it's crunch time. Like they they're like you said, they're not a good situationally uh, situational team. Like no awareness, and that starts with the coaching. Like you you have to practice and you have to get these concepts down. Like two minute drill and everything, or like. What the Dude. hell changes, or do you not make adjustments after halftime? And the other you, coaches do. You got to be able to. You got to be able to put points on the board in the last two minutes of every half. You have to be able to run a four-minute offense and ice the clock. You have to be able to convert third downs. You have to be able to win the field position battle. And more often than not, I mean, I remember looking at Kyler Murray last season. I'd have to go dig up the stats from this year, but I remember last season everyone was kind of hyping about how good he was and this and that. And I do think Kyler Murray's a good quarterback. Don't get this twisted. I don't think Kyler Murray is by any means a bad quarterback or even a replaceable quarterback at this point. But I remember seeing a stat last year and it was probably week. It was like week 10, maybe of last season and his third down touchdown interception ratio. He was throwing most of his interceptions on third down. And I'm like, good quarterbacks and good football teams. Don't do that. And we're not talking, hey, it's third down and we're just trying to get a first down by chunking it downfield. And it turns into a punt of you just trying to make a play. That's not what this is. No, it's just routine plays of them not converting and then shortening the field. It's it's not good. And that ultimately, I mean, it falls on Kyler, obviously, but it also falls on Kingsbury because he's got a great talent at quarterback. So why can't you help that great talent? Um, so, but again, these are just examples of white guys who got the job who probably didn't earn it nor deserve it. Where a black coach would have had to go undefeated with three national championships. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> Here, let me ask you to do something no one else has done. Um, but that, that's the hurdle. But yeah, as far as the lawsuit itself goes, no, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm with you. Like, I just, I'm not a lawyer and I, I don't know what would, what would even need to be proven in court, what holds, what doesn't. But I mean, I think it needed to be said and, and I'm sorry it had to happen at the expense of his, his coaching career, but uh, I, you have to applaud him for what he did. I think. Yeah. I mean, to have the balls to do that, I mean, he he essentially, I said this, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but, I mean, he's going to get blackballed the same way Colin Kaepernick did. Absolutely, which is the sad part. He He's going to lose his, his, you know, livelihood. 
Yep. Granted, so, he might he may be able to get a job, uh, you know, in the profession again. I don't, I don't think he'll get blackballed from football and like in general, but the NFL, it's, it's probably going to be extremely difficult, uh, especially with it's the good old boys club. They all talk. So nobody's well, going to hire and him. And for him, it's head coach or bus because as far as head coaches go, I mean, Flores is a top, top 10 head coach definitively in the NFL right now. And I'd even argue he's closer to the top five. Um, so he's got, he got shafted, dude. Yeah. Um, so he's one of the few Belichick guys that worked out. Yeah, he is. He is. Which interestingly enough, of course, Belichick's part of this because he texted the wrong Brian. Um, meant you to see text the Brian Dable theory? and Brian that, Flores. Uh, you see the conspiracy theory that, like, oh, he, he did it on purpose to get the NFL and all kinds of shit because it's the flake gate. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it may be a conspiracy, but it's also Bill Belichick. So no telling. <laughs> Uh, the but hood, man. Bill Belichick, yeah. Bill Belichick keeps everything uh, close to him, and he's, dude, he's he's a snake <laughs> in the best way possible, though. Um, but other than that, I mean, we got the Super Bowl, and then, uh, you know, after Super Bowl, it's draft season. But uh, Oh, I love it. We're going to get into uh, the other part of this where we just kind of dive into some other topics. Um, one hot topic that we can stay with sports on is obviously the NBA. So James Harden is now a 76er. CJ McCollum is now a Pelican. Some big waves in NBA. And then, of course, part of that trade with uh, the Sixers was Ben Simmons, who is now going to play in Brooklyn. And, you know, hopefully they'll fail because – yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see those uh, three fucking head cases on one team. Jesus. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Good old Nets. I mean, ever since. You forgot to mention the Celtics got uh, Daniel Tice today, so I'm pretty excited mm. about that. Tice, Tice, baby. <laughs> I don't know if you knew I'm a, I'm a huge Celtics fan. I know. I know that. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I once once football season's over, that's kind of when I dive heavy into NBA. But uh, when it gets interesting is after the All Star break, anyway, yeah. man. Which, f- funny enough, James Harden was the last pick for the All Star teams, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. I mean, dude, before he got traded, I mean, huh? I mean, obviously they're getting another head case. It seems like with Ben Simmons, but Jesus Christ, you couldn't have asked for a better trifecta of head cases with Harden, Irving, and Durant. I mean, that's such a long team. Jesus, like the length of Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons. Yeah, that is, and they'll still fucking lose, and it's going to be great. Yeah, because uh, that's what happens when your point guard can only play in half of his games. Yeah, but uh, moving away from sports. Um, anything in pop culture here that we need to discuss? Ooh, good question. Trying to think. I feel like there's, oh, oh, no, I got something for us. Did you see the new Jurassic uh, World trailer? I did not. I didn't know there was one. Buckle the fuck up. So Jurassic World Dominion is going to be the final installment, or it might be... is, is it even Jurassic World? Whatever. The That's title, one of my favorite part series, of the title Jurassic is Dominion. Park. But a uh, trailer dropped. I saw the I saw that earlier. And uh dude. So Alan Grant, Ian Malcolm, and Ellie, I can't fucking remember her last name. 
are reprising their roles and they are returning. I was like, let's fucking go. I lose Tom Brady, but I get Jeff Goldblum back. Right. Dr. Ian Malcolm, man, the true goat of the Jurassic Park series. Yeah, funny enough, uh, you you may think this is funny. I have a Dr. Ian Malcolm action figure. <laughs> it's like this is the only one of the only ones I have, and I don't know why I have it, but when it's you know seven ninety five on sale, you get it. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, I'm looking at a wall of Funkos here with just a whole bunch of bullshit. Um, but yeah, dude, it, the trailer was freaking sick, man. I am I am really excited for it. Um, did you watch the first two Jurassic Worlds? I've seen every Jurassic Park movie. Okay, I, cool. I love that series. Did you? Uh, how did you feel in comparison? So obviously, when you start talking remakes, people have their opinions and this and that. But like, how did you feel about Jurassic World and how they did remaking and rebooting that series? I thought they were good movies. Um, I mean, if you go back and watch what the first three, like. The first one is obviously OG classic right, the original, the wonderful movie. Um, the second one is good. I've probably seen that one the least of the original trio. And then the third one is it's okay. Some people really like it. Some people aren't as big on it. Uh, I think that's also a classic. So I probably like the first three, the first one and the third one, the most out of the original trilogy. And then with the new ones, I mean, I enjoyed it. I don't I don't see how you I think Chris Pratt did a good job in it as much as I'm not a huge Chris Pratt fan. Uh, I think he was really good, made it enjoyable. And then you have your little uh, pieces of the the uh, the first trilogy where it's you know, they, go and, they go and find the headsets, uh, the night vision goggles and in the, the little shack and all things like that. Uh, so, you know, I think if they did good. Uh, the one scene that I always go back to when I think of uh, the second one, when, you know, the volcano erupts and everything is just seeing that one brontosaurus get left yeah. on the dock. It's dude, like, how do you no! not cry during that? Dude, that scene. I was like, oh, I didn't think I was going to cry during Jurassic Park. <laughs> right. Like I'm crying over a goddamn dinosaur. I'm, well, I say that, but fucking <laughs> land before time, the good dinosaur, all tear jerkers, man. Dinosaurs are just great. Regal creatures. Um, but no, Chris Pratt's actually his character, um, Owen, Owen something, um, is actually one of my favorites in the entire, like out of both installments. Um, he's very likable in those movies. Yeah. And then obviously like blue blues, the fucking goat. Um, but, uh, one of my favorite scenes was in the first Jurassic world before fallen kingdom, uh, both of which I liked a lot. Uh, but one of my favorite scenes was with the Indominus Rex um, when it escapes, um, you know, he walks in. They obviously are hesitant about trying to exterminate it. It was when they sent the team and obviously it was camouflage and like the Indominus Rex just ate all of the troops basically uh, and destroyed them. And Chris Pratt told them we need to destroy her and, uh, he goes on a tirade of like, she doesn't understand where or he was like, she is seeing all of this for the first time. She has no idea where she fits on the food chain. And I don't think you want her to find that out. Um, 
Like it was just such an intense and great line. I was like, holy shit. Like dude knows his shit, but um, yeah, I, I, I really like the reboot. Um, I, I'm kind of the same way though. Like Lost World is probably my least favorite. Um, the original is obviously the best one, hands down. Um, but I actually like the two newer ones more than I think I like three. Now it's been a while since I've seen three, but and, and that's not to say Jurassic Park three wasn't good. I, I genuinely enjoy all of them. But if we're talking rank here, so I'm curious to see how the final installment goes with this one, especially since we're talking about reprising roles of the original characters. I mean, dude, it doesn't nostalgia. Right. So much nostalgia. That's what I love. I I think that's the thing I love most about a lot of these reboots now though, is um, little Easter eggs. It's the Easter eggs. It's bringing back like, you know, I was having this conversation the other day with uh, one of the people I work with and for the record, I work with literally pretty much all Gen Z. Um, I think I'm one of two, maybe three millennials on staff. Um, and I was kind of talking about this with them. So, and this all got brought up for the freaking disdain for boomers, which is funny, but we were, you know, I was like, we were just kind of talking about some of the different generations. Like, obviously you have boomers who are just the past, the past, the past, the past, the glory days. And then you have Gen Z and they were in agreement with this. They they don't they don't have an appreciate as much of an appreciation for the past. We sort of bridge that gap as millennials. Like we have an, an appreciation for the past while also welcoming what's to come. Um, and I think that's why like we get so gung-ho over the nostalgia of these movies. We were talking about with you know the last installment of Spider-Man. We're now talking about it with Jurassic, uh, the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise. Um, and then I don't know if you're into Cobra Kai. Um, my wife but, watches it and I think I've seen most of the first season. Uh, it was, I, I, am not too big into watching, uh, shows and stuff. I'll admit it. I, I just, I don't know. I can't sit still that long. For, <laughs> it's probably undiagnosed ADHD, but I can tell <laughs> you that show was really freaking cool. Well, I was a, I'm a big fan of the eighties. Like it's before my time. Like I didn't grow up in the eighties, but having two very, very much older siblings, um, you know, there's a substantial gap between me and my middle sister. And then a bigger gap, obviously between me and my older sister, they are eighties babies. I'm nineties, but because I grew up with them, I had a very much like eighties type of childhood. Like I'm a big fan of John Hughes and the Brad Pack. So Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like all these movies, I'm a huge fan of. Karate Kid's obviously a big part of that. Um, I grew up loving that series. Um, and, you know, from season one, like I fell in love. Like Cobra Kai is probably up there for me as far as shows go. Like I would say it's in probably my top three favorite shows. Um just because I love how well it blends the past and creating new stories with the present, you know, they've brought back all the OG characters. They've obviously started with Daniel LaRusso, Johnny Lawrence. Um, and then they've brought back John Kreese. They've brought back Terry Silver. Um, they're going to be, re- be bringing back Mike Barnes in the upcoming season. 
Um, they brought back Chosen from Karate Kid Part 2. Uh, Allie, who is, of course, the main love interest that started the whole fucking thing. Um, so it's just, uh, dude, it's the perfect blend of past and present. And that's what, I mean, you talk about, like, creativity in Hollywood. Like, I think one of the things I often heard really and probably around, like, 2010s was how much movies and tv shows they suck now it's all reboots this reboots that fuck it bring on all the reboots and reprises because i'm here for all of them i mean especially when you get these uh when they bring back these characters that you grew up with for the reboots like maybe they're not the main character but they have uh you know they're a side character or they have cameos or something like that uh it's it's just it it makes you smile when you see them on screen again, uh, it, it brings you back to your childhood and just makes you happy. Uh, I wish some of these reboots didn't suck as much. Uh, I know quite a few of them. I mean, they're they're cheesy and corny. Who I can think of that I didn't like very much, Girl Meets World, which Boy Meets World is probably my favorite show ever. Um, wasn't huge on Girl Meets World. And then Fuller House, another show I grew up watching, obviously, with Full House, R.I.P. Bob Saget. Um, but... Yeah, like uh, they they went too cheesy and like there's times it doesn't work and that's okay. Like I'm I'm okay with the effort there. Um, you know, we were talking about it with or I was talking about it with the Scream franchise. Guess what? We're getting Scream 6. Let's fucking go. Like I'm we'll here see for where it, it goes. <laughs> um but um you know, that's that was another thing. So one of my favorite scenes actually on uh, Girl Meets World going back to like how they nod to the past. So how familiar are you with Boy Meets World? I haven't seen it nearly as much as you, but I have seen it start to finish at least twice. Okay. So do you remember the episode where Eric um, was Santa Claus and he ends up like giving toys to like underprivileged kids, like orphans and Tommy like, he kind of took Tommy under his wing as his little brother, if you will, like, took care of him. Well, Tommy was up for adoption. He wanted Eric to adopt him. Um, but obviously, you know, he's, he's a young, like, six-year-old kid, Eric, still figuring out his own shit. Um, and he had to tell Tommy he wouldn't adopt him. Um, one of the saddest episodes, by the way. Like, you talk about, like, one of the most heartbreaking moments in Boy Meets World. But that's up there. Um, but... In Girl Meets World, so, and I don't even know the episode. I've just seen the clip, and every time I watch the clip, I'm like, fuck, that's good. Um, so I, I, I was actually watching it the other day. So they're at, like, a town hall. Eric's running for public office, and he's going against some, like, weasel guy. And uh, this kid in the crowd says, you know, how great of a person Eric is and stands up and introduces himself. And he was like, you know, my name is Thomas James Murphy. Eric probably knows me. And then it cuts Eric and he's like, Tommy. And you see Topanga's face in the background of all this. And like her reaction is all of our reactions watching it. Cause she's just sitting there like, oh shit. Like that's that kid. Like That's the um, kid. And uh, like, then it shows like the clips from Boy Meets World, stuff like that. And like Tommy goes on to say, Eric's one of the best people he knows, yada, yada, yada. But it's the perfect nod to the past um, while creating a really good storyline for that show. So, um, yeah, it's uh, 
again, like you just see all these shows of doing this whole thing, and it's just like, man, like way to tug on the heartstrings, man. Right, like, dude, stop making me freaking tear up, damn it. Um, or keep doing it because I'm a sucker for it. But <laughs> keep doing it because I'll watch it. Don't make me hurt. More. <laughs> right, like I'll keep watching it and I'll freaking tear <laughs> up every time. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as so let me, before we close it out, let's talk about some some reboots. So like if you can narrow it down, like what's like two or three like reboots that you think of instantly right off the top of your head, whether it's movies, TV shows that you just loved. All right. So this one, you might think it's, it's a little weird, but I had this movie in my, so back to when we had DVDs, like when I moved to uh, move to go to college uh, in 2010 or whatever, I had a, a CD case full of DVDs. One of the DVDs I watched all the time. And I don't even know if I've ever seen the original, which is probably a sin, but I love the Starsky and Hutch reboot with uh with ben stiller and uh owen wilson i don't know why but i it's probably a crappy pick by me but (laughs) i do love that movie and that's honestly one of the first things that popped into my head was uh was starsky and hutch nice i don't even remember it like i i know it but like i don't remember seeing it's a fun movie it's it's not a, it's not an Oscar worthy movie by any means, but uh, it's it's stupid fun with uh with uh, Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller, and then at the very end of the movie, the two original guys come back and like you know Ben Stiller, uh, if if you know Starsky and Hutch, uh, his character has like a Gran Torino that he loves and like his that's his baby, and he fucking crashes at the end of the movie, and the two guys from the original come and drive up in one and and give him like theirs so uh that's really cool another reboot actually you might have to give me a minute so give me one of yours so obviously i already alluded to it cobra kai's in there um another one that's more recent which i i don't know how i feel about it since they they are not going to have gordon bombay in it but mighty ducks game changers like that season was great dude like um Obviously, that's I grew up a huge Mighty Ducks fan. That's my favorite sports movie or sports series. Um, so that's really cool. Um, and then as far as other reboots, Beauty and the Beast, the live action remake with Emma Watson, um, was amazing. One of my favorite reboots. I thought the cast was excellent with um Luke Evans and Josh Gad as uh, Gaston and LeFou. Like, dude, that bromance was amazing. Um, But that was a really good reboot. Um, So those are three that immediately come to mind where I'm like, they knocked it out of the park with those. See, it's tough for me to think because I'm not as much of like a TV buff or a movie buff. Uh I don't mean to drag on like this, dude. I'm having like a mind blank <laughs> for everybody listening. If you're trying to buy a house right now, good luck. Holy shit. <laughs> and they're done that. Glad I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I'm like, oh, what was a good reboot? Oh, my God. I'm just thinking about these three houses I saw these earlier. <laughs> no, but uh, one thing I will note before we close this out. So one of the reboots I would love to see happen is a fucking reboot for Happy Gilmore. Ah, dude, 
dude, and then uh, get the Adam vid- Sandler to beat Chubbs. Well, dude, the the video that happened recently, like uh, Adam Sandler posted a video of him uh, using the Happy Gilmore swing, and he was like <laughs> called out shooter, and he was just like did a little like hey 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 laugh, and then fucking couple of days later, um, Chris McDonald comes out as shooter and fucking putting in like his office and uh, gets into character. I was just like, dude, I need this in my life. That's, that's one of the best sports rivalries of all time. Dude. I love that movie. And the fact that still on, on like Twitter, if you follow him a little bitty, uh, the guy that plays shooter McGavin, like still goes into character every now and then it's great. <laughs> Shooter's oh, one of the best villains ever. All right. So I got one for you before we, we head out. That's I'd like to, See who you'd pick. So Little Giants. I'm sure you've seen that movie 10, 15, 20 times. You beat Kevin down Cherry Hill. Down Cherry Hill. <laughs> Cheetos, crunchy or puff? Puff. Oh, wimp. <laughs> All right. So if they made a reboot, who's going to take the place of uh, Rick Moranis' character and uh, Ed O'Neill? Ed O'Neill's character. A.K.A. Al Bundy. Well, first Al and Bundy. foremost, I almost no call one, him Al Bundy. That's the problem. <laughs> no one should take the places of either of them. The O'Shea brothers are amazing. You could um, probably have Mike McDaniel just play uh, <laughs> Rick Moranis' character. You could, dude. He looks like him. <laughs> and then you bring Kevin James to play uh, the other character. which was also Sean Payton. Which, did you watch it? I did not. It was <laughs> fucking so silly, hilarious. Man. It was as cheesy as it gets, and I loved every second of it. I'm going to end up watching it just because like when I saw that casting, I was like, out of all people, they're like, ah, Kevin James looks close enough. Like him. he's a white guy. Well, It's a comedy. So yeah. I think but, it's even funnier that they picked like a chubby guy to play yeah. <laughs> Sean Payton. Like, it well, doesn't... I don't th- I don't think this is the type of movie you care that it gets spoiled. But uh, Sean Payton has a really fucking hilarious cameo at the very end of the movie, like literally right before the credits roll. It's amazing i was like (laughs) nice but no it was good but other than that it's been another great episode of the hotard huddle podcast for those who listen thank you and uh you know honor the huddle thank you for tuning in to this episode of the hotard huddle podcast be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on all major platforms such as anchor apple podcasts and Spotify. Don't miss any updates from HotardHuddle.com by going to the website and subscribing to our email list. You can also follow Hotard Huddle on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle. As always, honor the huddle.